Hello! This is We Are the Watchers of Movies, and this is Samantha doing my very first intro. And I'm Lauren. And we are doing kind of a little twist on what we usually do. We're going to be talking about the TNT TV show called... Miniseries. Miniseries <laughs> called <laughs> I Am the Night. So we're going to be doing the first three episodes in this installment, and then we'll be doing another one of the last three episodes after this. And there is a podcast we recorded as well, which is the sort of the backstory of the show, because the show is about real people, it takes place in the 60s, and it is about Fauna Hodel. If that name is unfamiliar, then you didn't listen to our first episode. <laughs> which you should. So... If anyone is familiar because I with I did a lot of work on it. Lauren did a lot of work. <laughs> so if anyone's familiar with the Black Dahlia murder, which was a very famous murder in the 1940s 40, yep. in Los Angeles, uh, George Hodel is suspected to kill her, but they never actually found the woman's killer. And this story, I Am the Night, is about Fauna Hodel, who finds out when she's a teenager that she was adopted, and she is a member of the Hodel family, and so she goes to Los Angeles to seek out just where she's from, who she's related to, just find out her life story, basically. And it also is about um, a journalist named Jay Singletary. Yeah. <laughs> Some weird name. No offense if he's listening. Um, who <laughs> he's covered... not a real person. Oh. Oh. Yeah, sorry. I things. know. <laughs> he covered the Black Dahlia murders when they first happened, and he did... Um, some articles about George Hodel, and obviously George Hodel was a very powerful man, and so he ruined Jay's life, basically, in a roundabout way. I yeah. don't know exactly how they haven't gone well, over he that did, in the show yet. He did the, um, he did a couple of, um, articles on Tamar Hodel's, uh, her, oh my god, why can't I think, uh, her, uh, oh, trial. She, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... And he was on her side, mm -hmm. and that's how it ruined his career. Okay, so Cause, yeah. Because George Hodel was acquitted of it. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it follows him as well, and he's sort of like a washed-up journalist now because he lost everything back at, in the, at the time that he was yeah. trying to find out the truth about Tamar. Which is like 15 years prior to what is happening right now. Yeah. So, in the current series. So. so the show is basically the two of them eventually teaming up to figure out the real story and what really happened. So we're going to be talking so about exciting. a lot of interesting but very dark things. Also, it's the night before... Very dark. <laughs> it's the night before July 4th. So if you hear explosions in the background, we're not recording from, like, some uh, the war zone. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Kuwait, like, in Clueless, when he... He's, her dad calls. He's like, where are you, Kuwait? <laughs> and, um, no, daddy. She, I'm in that Los Angeles? Angeles? Really Sun Valley. Yeah, Sun anyway, Valley. so if you hear some explosions in the background, that's just people Fire lighting off firecrackers because tomorrow is the big day. The big day. Yeah. It is the day of independence. <laughs> some people may even call it Independence Day. Yeah. If you guys ever saw it, there's a movie in the 90s. By, with starring Will Smith, that was a big deal. It was called Independence Day. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so, so let me do some corrections corner. Yeah, okay. Lauren's gonna take it away now. All right, so if you listen to the previous episode, which I worked very hard on, so you should listen to it because it's very interesting and it's only like eighteen minutes long. Like you're already listening to podcasts. What are you doing? 
go back, listen to that episode. It'll be great. You'll understand what we're talking about. Also, this is not a spoiler-free podcast, so there will be spoilers. Anyway, but it's history, so, you know, if you can't find it online, I don't know what to tell you. It's on Wikipedia. That's where I get all my information from. <laughs> Sounds legit. Anyway, corrections corner. So I said previously that Tamar had lived with her father when she was nine, but she actually lived with him during the summer and didn't officially move in until she was 14. Oh, so okay. Well, that that's was a little, just stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So <clears throat> I wanted to <laughs> repeat again what I was texting you about last night about the Arrested Development thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an episode of Arrested Development that Heather Graham is in, and she is the teacher of George Michael, who's played by Michael Sarah. And she loves Saddam Hussein. She's like a history teacher. or No, she's an ethics teacher. And she starts dating Mike or George Michael's father, who's Michael, played by Jason Bateman. And Michael finds out that George Michael has a crush on her because he finds a collage of Saddam Hussein in his bedroom <laughs> that he's going to give her. What and <laughs> so he goes and he brings it to her. And I swear this is relevant to the story. <laughs> so he go, so Michael brings it to her. He's like, hey, I think my son might have a thing for you. You know, he made this thing, this collage of Saddam Hussein for you. And she's like, oh, Saddam, I, I love him, love him. And and he kind of pauses and he gives her this look like, what is wrong with you? And she goes, terrible man, though. He did horrible, horrible things. So <laughs> I was watching the third episode of I Am The Night last night. And George Hodel comes on the screen and I go, Oh, I love him. I mean, he's horrible. He did horrible things. <laughs> Terrible man. And I was just like, oh my god, when did I become that person? <laughs> oh, gosh. But did you want to talk about, um, oh shit, that's right, that's in the third episode. We should probably talk about yeah, the first Yeah, we need two. to, let, let's go in order yeah. a little bit. Okay. So, um, so Fauna's mom is fun, Jimmy Lee. Yeah, I thought... I thought her character was interesting because the show opens up and it's morning and her mom seems like really normal and nice. And then when she gets home from work, her mom's like drunk and ranting. Well, they said that in the in the Root of Evil podcast, which is where I'm getting a lot of this information from. It's an awesome podcast. If you like this George Hodel story, please listen to the Root of Evil because they did a very good job about the doing um, giving justice to the Hodel family but um so what they were saying about her mom Jimmy Lee is that she um was like a horribly mean drunk but she was also mean like when she wasn't drunk so I think that scene was kind of just like a little I mean it was um you know I don't know one of those rare moments where she was kind I guess I guess you know because she seems nice at first, you're right, but then she's, yeah. like, calling her stupid, like, a lot, and I was like, that, you don't, what are you doing? Don't call your child stupid. Like, that's a horrible way for them to grow up. So, yeah, that was, that was messed up. But I thought that it was, I think it's interesting that Jimmy Lee's whole life fell apart because she adopted this white baby. Well, she thought that Fauna had a black father mm-hmm. because she thought Fauna had a white mother and a black father. And so she made a comment about, 
imagine adopting a mixed baby and expecting her skin to turn dark and it never does and then she talks about how she's in the grocery store with like a blonde blue-eyed baby and somebody threatened to call the police so she had to say oh I'm her nanny you know and I and then she made mention of this and I was going to ask you about it because they don't talk about it very much but so she was married. She had a husband. And then why did he leave? Or what happened? Did he die or something? Because I don't, it seemed like, I don't know, in, the, like in her little monologue, she was like, yeah, he wanted me to adopt the baby. He wanted me to do it because he thought it would calm me down because they couldn't have kids of their own. But then he's gone. And she seems to think that it's Fauna's fault. Not that he like died or something, but rather that he left. And I was curious. I think he might have left because she was so horrible. Oh. Jimmy Lee was just abusive, which is like, cool, leave the kid there, who's defenseless. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what happened to him, because it's never explained, so. (laughs) No, and it probably won't ever be explained, but um, one of the things, too, that one of Fauna's daughters said, Yvette, she said that um, Fauna was saved by the ghetto, after they found out how horrible the Hodel family was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So she went back home. Well, because okay, so I have some I have some more information. So cuz she calls so when Fauna calls um George, he's actually not in the United States at that point. He's living in Japan okay. in real life. Okay. And she writes him and he calls her and he tells her how much she sounds like Tamar on the phone. Oh, really? Yeah, they do sound a lot alike, too. Like, oh, a have you lot heard alike. recordings of both of them? Yeah, I've heard them, like, talking back to each other, and they oh, sound like okay. the same person. I see. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> when he, when I read that, when, you know, it was like, oh, he sounds just, you sound just like Tamar, I was like, oh, ew. <laughs> I was like, ew, ew, ew. Well, that was something interesting. Ugh. Like, she called him, she snuck into the records room at the hospital, which was a very tense scene, I thought. And she got a paper that had his name and and number on it. And she called him and said, hi, it's it's Fauna. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't surprised or anything. No, he He just was like, like a crazy person, like cool and collected the whole time. And he was like, it was almost as if he had told her to call him, like, call me at three o'clock. Right. And she was. Right. It was so weird. Well, and, really you, good. and I remember we were talking about that, and you were like, so smooth. And yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, yeah, and and then when he was like, hello, Fauna, I got, like, chills, like, up and down. But did you notice that he was saying her name a lot? Yeah, and yeah that's, a lot. Yeah, and that's a good way to, like, emotionally connect with someone. Oh. Which may be why women were so crazy about this guy, because he knew how to, like, connect with someone. Huh. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I really like the guy that plays him, though, Jefferson Mays. He's, he's good. He's really he's, good. Yeah, His way awesome. of talking. He has, like, a mid-Atlantic sort of accent, yeah. and I really like it. I do, too. Yeah. It's just, like, smooth, like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I like his voice. I like him. Um, so the house that they actually they filmed in, that George Hodel. Yeah, that's a that's creepy-looking house. his original house. They showed a picture, like, a black-and-white picture of it at the end of the episode. Yeah. And that's a weird-looking house. Yeah. Well, so I have some more information about oh, it. Oh, yes. yes. Tell me. So it was originally designed by Lloyd Wright, who's Frank Lloyd Wright's son. Oh, wow. Yep. And it was designed for uh, this guy named John Soudan. It was built in 1926. So it was like the height of the Art Deco phase. I was going to say, it yeah. does have, it, it looks like it's it from is that Art Deco, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's better because I don't like Art Deco and I like that place. Oh, all right. Well, I'll tell Lloyd <laughs> Wright. I mean, that's, yeah, you should tell yeah. Lloyd Wright. In 
26, which means he's probably definitely still alive almost 100 years later. Probably definitely yeah. still alive. Mm-hmm. And it was, anyway, it was built to be a place to party. Oh, wow. Yeah. So John Soudan and his wife Ruth were Hollywood scenesters. Ooh. And they hired Lloyd Wright because he had experience with Hollywood movie sets. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, and I thought that was really cool that they got to film the original house. Yeah, like, so who lives there awesome. now, I wonder? Is it still in the Hodel family? I don't think so. I How'd think it's with someone else. Interesting. Um, they probably asked the people that live there, because I remember... <laughs> well, most likely, I guess. <laughs> just broke in. Yeah. They were like, we're going to film a whole thing here. No, you can't come home. <laughs> we're filming right now. We're busy. Get Chris Pine on set. <laughs> Get him, where is he? Captain <laughs> Um... He, or I guess there's there's something that I was reading with the original or the, the new owners, and they were like, how do you get rid of, like, the bad, like, juju from George Hodel and everything? And they were like, well, we do some, like, sage rituals and stuff yeah, like that. And I was say like, a lot of prayers. You know, I mean. Don't buy the house to begin with. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And then I was watching, when I was watching that documentary, there's, like, a whole secret, like, hidden room that George Hodel had. Really? Yeah, the kids weren't allowed in, too. Oh. Yeah. And uh, someone said something like, oh, yeah, it was probably used for storage. And I was like, okay, no, it wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no, in God, no way did George Hodel, like this depraved motherfucker, have this secret room that he used for storage. I like the idea of him just having, like, big Rubbermaid containers just full of, like, old baby clothes and art from high school or something. No. Well, it's just my normal, everybody has one. You know, it's probably more like Christian Grey's little pleasure room than Uh, uh, a storage room, you know? Yeah. So, fun, fun. Yeah, it's a weird-looking house. It's cool, though. I, yeah, I guess it's cool. Yeah. I guess in the concept, like, in terms of the movie and the concept, I just, like, I associate the look of the house with something dark, and I don't really like it. Yeah, I can understand it's, that. it's even, like, a dark-looking house, which the show does a really good job making it look that way. It looks really foreboding, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, Me too. And I like, um... That there's, like, like when she knocks on the door, when she goes to the house, she's knocking, but she's knocking on, like, a gate, so it's not even the main entrance, you know? It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, like, I'd love to see it in person, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool, but, I mean, that's probably not possible, you know? I'd also love to see A.J. Holmes' murder mansion, but that burned down, so. Aww. Whatever. I'm sorry. I know. I'm very sad about it. Well. I mean, I'll get over it. Or whatever. I guess. <laughs> At some point. <laughs> I really like Chris Pine's character. I think his 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 performance is a highlight for me. He's I think, stuck in the morgue, though. Oh, my gosh. Can we talk about that scene? Because I have things that Dude, I want to say about so it. that was so funny, yeah. So, Chris Pine is basically at a point in his life when he's just, like, taking, like gossip pictures and pictures of like women having affairs and things like that and and stories that go on like the like the rag type of stories I just and, loud outside yeah, there's, there's a war going on out there so he's he sneaks into a morgue so he can take pictures of this of a, of a dead body obviously 
and which startled the shit out of yeah, me when they first showed the, it. He pulled the blanket away, and the body is, is like mutilated. And I was yeah. like, oh, but they only showed they showed it for like half a second. I know, but like, like it, by the time I realized what it was, it was already off screen. Right, and they didn't show it. Like, and they never. Detail, yeah, they didn't yeah. show it again. I it, think it would have been fine. I would have been finer if it had been like a whole body, but because like her arm was like on her head, yeah, and, like, cut off. I was like, oh my god. I think. I think this, the, well, this, I don't think I would have been, yeah, I, okay. I think I would have been fine if it was just a dead body. But the fact that it was, like, mutilated and I had no idea what I was looking for when he pulled the sheet back, th- those two things, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, so he's in the morgue, and this scene has potential to be so cliche, and I was cringing at first when the scene started, because he hears people coming, and right. he's looking around, and the only place for him to go is in the like the, the little like the area, the drawer, the drawer where yeah. they put the bodies in. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is one of those shows. And I was annoyed. <laughs> it was I I was on the I was on the cusp of being like, this show cannot, this show does so not this take is itself like seriously. Survive a plane crash level of yeah. Because I was like, of course he's gonna get in the stupid drawer. So he gets in the drawer, and he goes in, and he leaves the door open a crack, obviously. And whoever comes in the room, it's a group of men, and they come in the room, and one of them sees the door open, and they close the door, so he's stuck in there. And I'm still going, oh my gosh, this is so cliche, I hate this. But then, something miraculous happens, and Chris Pine gives the performance of his career for me. It's hilarious. So he's, he's laying in the drawer, and he looks to the left, and he looks to the right, and there's dead bodies on both sides of him, and he starts flipping out as you as one would right he's losing his mind because he's he's locked right in a drawer surrounded by dead bodies right and he's he's going crazy and there's no way to get out and then he's in the in the height of his craziness he starts laughing almost hysterically and he <laughs> says the line this is what it's come to <laughs> and i loved it like immediately it totally turned for me it was amazing it was such a good performance it was so true he's calling out the fact that it's ridiculous and he's in a morgue surrounded by dead bodies and then the people in the room obviously hear him because he's laughing even harder he's laughing really hard yeah, he's laughing really they yeah. pull him out and he says i'm feeling much better <laughs> like a body come back to life and it's like some police detectives and yeah. doctors and then it fades to black and then when it comes back, you see him on the street and he's getting beat up. And he has, like, on his face, like, the essence of a smile. And I can only imagine that like even... Grin. Like, well, and I think, like, getting beat up by somebody is probably so much better than being in a morgue drawer <laughs> that it doesn't even bother him to get beat up. And it's just such a phenomenal performance. I love it, it from... super funny. Yeah. I just love how he was, like... He was just like, this is it. This is <laughs> like, this is what my entire career has led up to. Is it's this so moment good. where it's stuck in a drawer. I love it. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was great. Um, I wish, I, I know that you had said that the, the show started out really slow. I think the so show I don't in really general, have a lot to talk about in the first episode or yeah. really the second one. Well, I think that um, the show has mega pacing problems. I yeah. would never say... 
I would never get on like this like culty bandwagon like I did for Breaking Bad or something where I'm like, oh my gosh, it's brilliant because I think that there's a lot of downtime where I started yeah. thinking, okay, let's get back to the, you know, let's, because I, I think that the, the mystery is very like fascinating, like darkly fascinating. Yeah. And I'm enjoying peeling off the layers, but there's so much space in between. Yeah. And Fauna kind of like, Fauna kind of gets on my nerves because I feel like she does a lot of things in slow motion. I don't know yeah. if you feel that way. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, like, she's, I don't know if I will feel more strongly about her as this, as the series goes on. Um, I guess I feel kind of attached to her just because I know about the real person and I know her story. Um, but if I was going into this, like, blind... Um, I would likely not be very attached to Fauna. No. I would probably be like, eh, I don't really care about her. Because I, I feel like she's, she seems like she has this savviness where she can, um, she can go through the world around her really successfully, but she also seems like she has this weird wonderment about her that gets on my nerves where she's just like, Staring quietly for yeah, minutes at a does, time yeah. and just staring. And then, I don't know, she doesn't really say a lot when she talks, which bothers me because I think, like, she doesn't ask the right questions. She doesn't say the right phrases. So the plot just plods along yeah. when she's when she's in charge of moving the plot along. I, I don't think that her character does a very good job of it because she's, like, sometimes I think, like, Fauna, just say this this one sentence. And, right. You know, things will change, or you'll you'll get what you want. But instead, she just, like, well, how I don't know. It bothers me. How about her family more? Like, her real family. Yeah. You know, because if it were me, and I found out this in completely life-changing event that, like, I'm... Well, first of all, she finds out in the, what, second or third episode that she's not biracial. In the um, second episode, second yeah. Second episode, yeah. Um... And that was, in real life, that was, like, hugely devastating to her because it was something she had identified with for so long. Yeah, well. That, yeah, when she found out that she wasn't biracial, she's like, oh, oh, then I'm not even who I thought I was, you know. Um, And she actually wrote a book called One Day She'll Darken. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, um, and that, I think, was a lot about her struggle with identity and, and... her race and everything like that and finding out that she's not the race she thought she was or raised as and I was I I thought they did a really good job um when they showed her at school and I like she's sort of like a creature of two worlds like she's sort of stuck in the middle almost because she doesn't fit in with the black students Mm -hmm. and the white students don't accept her and she doesn't have any place to go like they even have a scene where her and her boyfriend who is an african-american are sort of like making eyes at each other across the parking lot and one of the black girls sees oh my God, her. she flips out and she was her. And she was really angry. Like, like she was, like, scary angry yeah. about it. I was like, calm down, and, dude. Like, and, like, a white girl tried to sit with her at lunch and the other white girls were like, no, you can't sit with her because yeah. she's, you know, she's not white. So she doesn't really know where she belongs. Yeah. But she's grown up in the black community. Like, her mother, her who she thought was her mother was black. And right. So it's, I really think that's an interesting struggle. And when she goes to Los Angeles, um, she's, or maybe I think actually when she's at home, they're stopped by the cops 
Yeah. And a cop offers to give her a ride home because he says, this isn't a good neighborhood for you. And she says she's mixed. She, there's one point where that Sep guy attacks her, like outside the bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she like, she like gets away from him and she falls back and she, but he like stops because there's a cop car that comes around the corner. Like he was basically not going to stop until mm-hmm. that cop car. And then um, when he was like, the cop was like, do you want to ride home? She was like, oh, this is my neighborhood. And he goes, you and all the other roaches or something like that. Oh, yeah. And it was like, yeah. I was like, well, super derogatory. Like what are so, yeah. so prejudiced. Like it was just so like, like, and the way that he said it too, like his voice was so full of disgust. And I was just like, fuck you, man. Like, ugh, that, ugh. Um, so I actually did write down that, uh, Fauna's mom started telling her about her real family when she was five or six years old. Oh, really? Yeah, so she didn't find, this isn't like a sudden revelation. She found out when she was younger. Okay. Yeah. Um, Also, I thought it was interesting that she took on the name Fauna immediately. Yeah, she did. That was weird. Like, her name was Pat. Yeah. Patty. Patty. And Which actually is slang for a white girl. Oh, and that's really? Why, why Jimmy Lee named her that. Oh, that's mm-hmm. And she, she... Well, Jimmy Lee was kind of mean. <laughs> her, her mom, her adopted mom said something to her while, while she was drunk that made her wonder, like, what are you talking about? What do you mean where I come, where do I come from? Or, so she, when her mom was passed out, she found a box full of papers and she found her birth certificate that said Fauna Hodel. Mm-hmm. And the next morning she confronted her mom about it and then her mom told her the story about how she was, like, asked to adopt this white baby because it was, a woman said, like, my daughter's having a baby, it's mixed. And Anyway, so the mom says, keep that name, keep Fauna Hodel, because your grandpa's really rich and famous and you'll have money. Yeah. So then she just starts using the name Fauna, like... Which is weird because she grew up with Patty her yeah. whole life. Like, that would be my name. Was her... Did she go by... Is that... Accurate? Like, did she start start going by Fauna when she was in her um, teens, or do you know? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, she. So she. So she's fifteen in this, right? Okay. She doesn't actually meet tomorrow until she's in her twenties or thirties. Oh. She already has her baby Yvette by then. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then so, and I don't know how old Yvette was, but um, so I thought that was interesting because I told you that she like because George Hodel was in Japan. He fled the United States. When okay. things started getting hot in his trail, yeah. when people were like, maybe you murdered someone, he was like, well, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> you know, I mean, he was he yeah. was off, like, you know, um, that one guy. Oh, my God. I was just going to name um, that one Nazi dude that ended up in Brazil. You know, the angel of death, Joseph Mengele. That's it. <laughs> yes, he was off. So my joke is ruined. <laughs> he was off like Joseph Mengele. That's what I was going to say. Good. But I really... <laughs> it was horrible. That was horrible. <laughs> I like you. like, no, congratulations. I'm like, no, do not. <laughs> do not. Kindly stop. <laughs> Kindly stop. You're terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so that's all I have notes right now about that. As we'll get into more, I will tell you, I will tell you more notes than I have. Isn't that exciting? Those are all the notes you took at all? Oh. Those are all the notes? No. Oh, I was going to say, you told me that you had a ton of things to say. I have so many notes. (laughs) It's crazy. It'll make you kind of sick. (laughs) 
So Fauna goes to Los Angeles. Yeah, Fauna goes to LA. And she stays with her grandma. Her, her you know, like her adopted her, mom's mom, I think. Yeah. Like big mama. What was it, her aunt? I think I it was her remember. aunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because her, yeah, it was her aunt. So, um, because she was with her cousins. She was hanging out with her cousins and then going to the parties and everything. Yeah. With that, that, and that kid, that creeper, that creeper Nero? kid Nero. <sighs> Like and also his name is Nero. That's Who named your kid that? Like, wasn't he like a super brutal emperor in Rome? Like yeah. he like killed all these people and everything. Wasn't he the son of Caligula? Yeah. I mean, it, maybe it was just an, a street nickname because <laughs> kind of savvy, like street savvy. Yeah, yeah. But um, oh, and we didn't ugh, mention so far. He just rubbed me the wrong way immediately. Fauna is getting followed. She's being followed by this guy in a black car. Mm-hmm. Even. In Nevada, where she lives with her mom. Right. When we say, when I say her mom, I don't mean Tamar, I mean her, the mom who adopted her. Jimmy Lee, right. Jimmy Lee. So she lives there, and she notices this white guy, this older white guy is, like, like, sort of stalking her almost, and she sees him following her, and he is weirdly not subtle about it. Like, he... No, he's not at all. It's, she, he knows she sees him, and he stays in plain sight. And he just follows her. He just stares at her. Yeah. And it's weird. And and then... Well, maybe um, he's not trying to. I, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, you know, and he then keeps he, trying to, like, assault her almost, you Yeah, know? so I don't understand, because there's a scene with him and George, and George is saying you're supposed to keep her safe, but it doesn't seem like it. It seemed like he well, had plans to, like, mer- turn yeah, her like, into a cello, because he had that <sighs> statue that he put cello strings on, and so he had a mask. I have a theory about that. Yeah. Um, so, in, and this is getting into a little into the third episode. Um, actually, you know what? I think I'll save it. I think it'll be better once I save it. Let's talk more about what's going on in L.A. Because there's more, there's more to that part that I want to go into about oh. the whole beginning of the third episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. I want to pause on that for a second. Um, so... She meets Karina Hodel, who was George yes. Hodel's ex, and was actually not a real person. Oh. But was based after Dorero's Hodel, who's Tamar's stepmom. So Steve Hodel's oh, mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, when, so when Tamar got pregnant, she told her mom Dorothy, and her mom told her to not ask her for help after what she did to her father. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh like, my God. After the trial and everything. Yeah. What a fucking bitch. Um, yeah, so healthy family values there, you know? so messed up. The whole family is disgusting. We love them. (laughs) I mean, terrible people. Horrible, horrible people. I mean, not all of them are horrible, but some of them are horrible. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of them that are pretty bad. So, um, but, man, Karina was... She was a piece of cake, wasn't she? I really liked, um, so Fauna got to L.A. and she's trying to call George because George said, come visit me, mm-hmm. but she can't get a hold of him. Yeah. Like, she keeps getting, like, somebody answers his phone who's maybe a housekeeper and saying, yeah, I'll tell him you called. And so she's at this bus stop and then she finds the the phone number, what's her name, Karina? Karina. Karina yeah. Hotel's Karina phone Hodel. number and she calls her and Karina was like, Stay away from your grandfather. He's a bad, bad man. And then, like, two days later, Fauna calls her again, and she's like, I, when did you call? Like, she was, like, taking drugs or something. Oh, yeah. She didn't I, think, I definitely and think so they were. so it was really interesting. Like, I like 
like the rawness of her being like, no, stay away. But then when she's in her right mind, she was like, oh, hello, Fauna. You know, she was such a bitch. She was crazy. Too. Yeah. Like when they're eating and everything, she's like, yeah, she's like, sit up straight. It's you know, for like, it's like you can be nice about the way you're, you know, barking orders at yeah. her. You don't have to be rude about it. Like she's like, you're such a slob. What were you eating? You know, dinner with the queen, and I was like, Karina. Calm down. Yeah. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I thought yeah. it was funny when she first went to Karina's house. Karina was like, do you want some lemonade? And she goes and gets lemonade. And Fauna's kind of like walking around looking at the pictures. And she comes back and she goes, don't snoop. <laughs> <laughs> Karina's something else. She's got to be on something. Uh, she has Probably to be. cocaine oh, yeah, big or time. something or heroin. And, was uh, big... So she takes her... She tells her tomorrow was a liar. Was a big thing in the yeah, 40s. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And she's like, tomorrow was a liar. And they tell her, she tells her tomorrow was deceased. Mm-hmm. Even though when Fauna talked to George, George was like, don't try to contact Tamar because she's ill. So, yeah. And that's not what happens either, by the oh. way. So when, when George calls her in real life, when he called her from Japan... Um, he was like, do you want to meet Tamar? And then oh. he goes, oh, you sound a lot like Tamar on the phone. And he was probably like, I'm going to have sex with you. <laughs> uh, I wondered what his, pl- like, he was weird towards her in the show. Like, well, I think her that was, I mean, I think his intention. Like his, he could be her father. Well, yeah, but I mean, obviously happens. that hasn't stopped him before. I think yeah. his intention is. To dominate yeah, her. Yeah. It kind of seems... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we forgot about the part when she's at the bus stop, when she's on the way to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and she sits down, because they're on, like, a st- just a stop, like a rest stop, and a man sits next to her, and he just strikes up this very Wait, so brief... So you didn't know that was him, like, right away? Because I, I knew him that was immediately. That was him right. I wondered if it was him... I wondered if it was him... But I didn't know it was him. Okay. Because I knew it was him right away. And then they showed him at the end of the episode without the sunglasses on. And I was like, is that the same guy? So he talked to her at the bus stop and just very briefly. And and, and then later when Karina takes her to the restaurant and she's like, I'm going to show you your grandfather's private art collection. He's there. Yeah. With the henchman who's been following her around and she sees him and runs. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Well, she's, yeah, because so he's you like, what's talk, your favorite painting? Or, did you want to talk about the art? Because I saw the, I think that, was it a dolly painting with the body all I think it looked like a dolly painting. Is the that? The bisected body? Yeah, did did he, was Elizabeth Short cut up in that yeah. way? Um, no, she was cut up in the middle, and there were parts of her flesh missing. Oh, okay. Um, but she was only cut, I think, one. Oh, okay. Uh, and her, her yeah. yeah, she had a Glasgow smile, which is really nasty. I, I caught some pictures of her today when she was dead and I was like, Ooh. Yeah, listen to the audience out there. I <laughs> made the mistake a long time ago of reading the Wikipedia page and looking up the information about the Black Dahlia murder and once you see those images, you cannot unsee no. them. So, do not look them up unless you're sure and I, what I'm saying is probably like making enticing people and making you want to look <laughs> them up, but believe me, do not read the details of the case do not look up the photos unless you want to be haunted because I was haunted. That's Samantha telling you this, and this is what I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> because I think if you want to look up the photos, do it, but you better take a lot of caution when you do because it is disturbing. So Yeah, you can do whatever you want, but I just I don't <laughs> think you should look them up lightly. Like you don't do what I did, no. where I 
I, so I went to see the movie The Black Dahlia, and the movie was, was horrible. so terrible I actually left the theater, but I was intrigued about the murder enough where I read the, that's why I read the page and the details and saw the pictures, and I would not recommend it. I know. It's or the movie. really bad. Well, the movie's terrible, but... If you're gonna watch the movie, just watch Mia Kirshner's parts, because she plays Elizabeth Short, who's Black Dahlia, and I thought she did an awesome job. But everyone else was terrible, and that's unfortunate, too, because it's Josh Hartnett and Aaron Eckhart. I'm not that crazy about Scarlett Johansson, to be honest. I like a couple of her movies here and there. I like her all right. I like, I like her as Black I liked Widow. Vicky Cristina Barcelona yeah, me too. a lot, mm-hmm. and I liked Lost in Translation. That's my favorite of hers. Yeah. That's I love a, that's Lost really in good. Translation. I agree. It's a great movie. Such a cute movie. I love that movie so much. It's like one of those where every time I think about it, I'm like, I'm like, heart eyes, star eyes. I'm like, I love that movie. I like, I like that movie because I like that. I like that two people can sort of find each other when they need to find each other. You know, and it's like, not romantic either. No, it's just it's and just, well, there was almost like an underlying sense to that it maybe could have been, but I like that it wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just I think like people can save you. Yeah, I think I think, so I think too. the right person at the right time can save you from yourself. Even you know, I, think I don't know. So I just too. think it's it's a really it's a really nice story because it didn't have to be romantic. You know, it's just. Yeah. They connected, and they connected really beautifully, and they helped each other. They both helped each other, and I, and there's a scene where she, she's in his hotel room, and she said, let's never come to Japan again, because it will never be as much fun. I know, fun. I love that. And he says, whatever you say, you're the boss. And I just <laughs> love that moment between them. I don't know. And then they're, like, no, laying, on, they're laying on a bed together, Yeah. and he just, like, reaches out and and holds her ankle, and it's just such a beautiful shot. I don't, it's just, it's just so, a really good movie. Moral of the story is, if you're gonna watch a Scarlett Johansson movie, don't watch Black Dahlia. Instead, <laughs> watch, watch Lost in Translation. Or any of the, any of the Marvel movies. Or Vicky Cristina yeah. Barcelona. She's really, I like her as Black Widow. Yeah, and she, she's good yeah. as Black Widow. She's not terrible, I'm just, I don't know, I... I've just seen her in enough things where I'm like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, eh, you know. Yeah. She just, it's eh, all right. whatever. It's all right. So anyway, so, um, so they're in the art gallery. Yes. Oh, so that painting of the bisected woman, woman, um, I, I, it looks like a Dolly painting to me. Um, I like Dolly a lot, but I, I wouldn't say I'm super familiar with his stuff. So I can tell you, like, by sight, it looks like him, but it might not be him. Okay. Um, I was just I, wondering, because you said there was... Some connection with the paintings. Um, some paintings with, I think it was, um, God, I wrote this down somewhere, of course, and now I'm not sure where I wrote this down, but, um, uh, one of them was called Minotaur, and it was by Man Ray, and it's of a woman who has her arms above her head. Okay. Um, and... That's actually a perfect segue into the third episode of Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, okay. sure. So, uh, and the other one is Lover's Lips, and that one is just like, uh, which they maybe think that that's how he was inspired to give her the Glasgow smile. Okay. Um, but the the Minotaur was because she had her arms posed over her head. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, when she was found. So, I see. Yeah. Um, so, we were talking about the third episode, and so that mask that he's wearing, 
is a minotaur mask. That was weird. Yeah. That made me feel dirty, and I didn't watch... It was like, a little creepy The opening scene. scene of episode three, I, I actually looked away for some of it because it was too I weird. I it again. <laughs> and the weird thing he was wearing, that, that weird minotaur thing, it looked like, it looks like a uterus. Is that what it's supposed to look like, a uterus? Because... No. It, no. It was like, like... I didn't even red. It was red like I would assume an organ is. And it had, like, the minotaur, like, horns or whatever looked kind of ovary-ish. And I thought, is he wearing a uterus? Is this real? I don't like it. Because, <laughs> and I looked away because I couldn't. I thought, I don't need these images in my brain. I can. It just cracks me up how different you and I are because I was like, I'm going to rewatch this scene. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> like, I, I watched it, like, three times, I think. Yeah, I think it, it was too it. weird. It, it was, was very it made me feel icky, and then actually that whole episode made me feel a little bit icky. It was a little bit of an icky episode. I and agree. I needed I needed a palate cleanse. Like I had to watch uh, something happy afterwards. I watched. I started. This is a brief segue, but I started watching the Devil Wears Prada, <laughs> just for something lighthearted, and I I don't even really like that movie. I've never seen it because I just feel like I wasn't gonna like it. You know? I think the scenes in the magazine office are really good because everyone's snooty and very well-dressed, and I like that, but I don't feel bad for Anne Hathaway, and I don't care about Anne Hathaway's story. It was a dumb movie. I don't even really like it, but I had to watch something. I had to get my head off of the uterus that he was wearing. No, it was... I'm pretty positive it was a minotaur mask. Okay. Um, so... It didn't, like... The opening he was looking through was like vagina shaped, and that made me feel really uncomfortable. The whole thing I mean, was no, I mean, I can, sexual. I can see what you mean. Oh no, it's definitely supposed to be. Oh, yeah, I know it. Like, I know it's supposed, supposed to be. But yeah. he was looking. Um, he was like peering out from a vagina. <laughs> well, so okay, so my so okay, so we talked about how those 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 three girls that come in and they're like entertaining the men, mm-hmm. which is clearly supposed to be like like a sex I'm party. I'm assuming they're escorts or yeah, something. Oh, it's yeah, it's definitely a sex party. And he like put the bag over that one girl's head and everything. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that they talked about in the uh, the Root of Evil podcast was that he was really into surrealism, and surrealism is all about the subjugation of women. So oh. yeah, it's like. Very like subjugation, yeah, like 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 dominating them, oh. like making them submissive, you know, which is you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, I know what you mean. I just yeah, like, I've heard of like subjugate a verb, but I didn't. Yeah, know, well, I actually had to um, look it up the definition because I wasn't sure if I was going to use it right. No, that's okay. I've just never heard it used that way, so that's why I was. Yeah, the subject subjugation of women. So it's very depraved and stuff like that, and that's why I'm that scene where he puts the bag over her head. I wasn't totally sure if that was necessarily going to be a consensual thing. It didn't, seem you know, like it didn't. It. No, it didn't seem like it. But you do see them. What I assume is them later having sex, and it seems like you know. I mean, you don't really see much, so I don't know. But, um, so it's. I I thought uh, it's it's very like. I know that, that that scene's not supposed to make you feel good, though. Oh, no, yeah, definitely, definitely not. not. Like, it's supposed to make you feel, like, really uneasy and on edge. Like, yeah. oh, this is the kind of guy that George Hodel is, and it gets even worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because well, he's such... His daughter is, like, watching, and she's, like, six yeah. or seven, seven or eight. I don't know. Oh, okay, so I want to talk about that. So when he's, like, he's, like, 
you know, whispering her name like Tamar and then and then they're like holding their hands over their faces, which would have been cute in a different scenario, you know, like a little like a yeah. father daughter thing, except for you know what he does to her. Um, but then when you see him and that the woman is standing in front of him and he looks like he's taking off her bra. I, so when I watched that scene and I watched it I think two or three times, each time I was like, shit, is that is that Tamar? Um, I think it's supposed to make you think for like a split second that maybe he's taking off her clothes. Oh. And then, because it's like the way it's done, like, and I thought this both times, even though I'd already seen it. And, um, and then you see him, you know, like, she's like watching him take off this woman's bra. Mm -hmm. And then he like looks up at her and he's like looking at her while he's doing that, which was super creepy. Really weird. And I loved it. <laughs> I did not I, love like, it. I love this. I didn't like, love I it. love this kind of shit. Um, it's so creepy and it's so gross. And as soon as the show, <sighs> so the show starts. Maybe that, I'm creepy. Am I creepy? No. Are you sure? The episode started. You're in a way that's making me not believe you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not the episode started and it like the music was really dark. And it said 1945, and I didn't know exactly when the murder happened, the Black Dahlia murder. 47. So I, yeah. So I thought, oh, crap, this is going to be bad. And then it, like, flashed, and it was, like, red, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it's like some weird satanic ritual. I don't like this. I hate it. And then his daughter was peeking, and then he was wearing the uterus, and I <laughs> couldn't watch, so I turned away, because I was like, whatever's gonna happen, I'm just not, I'm just not interested, because it was too weird, and then, obviously, that was like the, um, like a cold open, and then mm -hmm. the theme song went, and then the story moved on, but I just didn't, it was, I didn't it like was, it. It was very, it, made me it was very unsettling, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, especially, like, so, for someone who's going into the show not knowing that George Hodel had actually impregnated his daughter, um, I wonder what that's like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because from my eyes, well, obviously it's very, it's very creepy and unsettling, but I'm wondering what someone would think who hadn't, who had no idea. You know what I mean? Like, they'd probably be unsettled, but what would they, what else would they be thinking? You yeah. know, and I'm kind of curious about that. Um... I, I don't know what I would be thinking, because all I was thinking was, I know that he's potentially Fauna's father, and that's... Yeah. 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 And oh, we should probably mention, so in the show, Chris Pine, his character gets a call from Jimmy Lee, Fauna's adopted mother, and she says, you know, keep your eye on George Hodel, because you were right about him. So it sort of reignites the flame yeah. he had for digging in. So he starts casing the Hodel family's houses, and he sees Fauna, and he wonders who Fauna is, and then he's sort of comes he's to the trying conclusion, to find Tamar. Yeah, yeah, that she's Tamar's child, like illegitimate child. So, him and Fauna finally meet up, and they have like a brief interaction. circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> they have a yeah. So, so at this point, Chris Pine tries to tell Fauna he's on her side, but she didn't really want to hear it, you know, mm -hmm. and. Understandable. Yeah. yeah. Like, when you're from a place... about what's going on, too. Yeah, well, and he's, like, in the car, 
And he's like, hey, do you want to ride? Do you want to ride? I would be like, no! Well, <laughs> no, but, but the, oh, the henchman guy who was following her. Oh, Sap? Yeah. Yeah, like, she, okay. they, like, converged, and she had to make a choice. So, yeah, I guess she went with Chris, she went with Chris I Pine to too. avoid going with the weird guy, yeah. Oh, yeah, I would have, too. I mean, mm-hmm. in a, in, like, not, I mean, probably not in a split second, but I'd be like, what is the less chance of me being harmed? Yeah. I'm going to go with this guy. Yeah. Because this other guy, like, has actually physically attacked me. Right. So, yeah. No, I, you know, I get it. I totally get it. Um, so, oh, so I wanted to uh, let you know that um, one of the women that was set to testify at Tamar's trial, her name was Lillian, and she said that in order to scare her into not testifying against him, George had... Threatened to have her son taken away and have her put into a psych ward. And he even... And this is even worse. Wait, it gets worse. <laughs> okay. Um, I laugh because let's just hide the pain. Um, so, <laughs> he even drugged her, cut her wrists superficially to make it look like she made a suicide attempt. It was meant to discredit her as a witness. Oh, my gosh. She, was, she never testified. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's messed up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I know. He's messed up guy. He's so fascinating. Why am I so fascinated by these horrible people? <laughs> I don't know. Today we were talking about um, Joseph Kennedy. You and I were talking about oh, that. Oh, yeah, because you had me listen to that thing about lobotomy. Yeah. Or I was yeah. listening to that yeah. podcast you told me about, and it was about lobotomies. And yeah. That's a terrible story the story of rosemary kennedy oh my god sad i mean i for those who don't know rosemary kennedy was a young woman she was like what in her late teens she was like 23 when she had the lobotomy and she was just a little bit of a wild child and joseph kennedy who's you know like the famous kennedys was just man with a stick up his ass and he decided i'm just gonna give her a lobotomy and it ended up making her like with the intelligence of a three-year-old and now, I think she's still alive. And no, she died. She oh, died. she died. Okay. I thought, actually, Did I she? Know. I think she's alive for some reason. I'm not sure, to be honest. And she's, like, in her, she's got to be, like, in her, I would say, like, 70s or 80s now, I, though. I wonder if he thought a lobotomy would actually help her. Like, I don't think, it didn't seem, and I read the Wikipedia article, that's all I read, but it seemed like... He was hoping it would solve the problem, but not make her a vegetable. Well, yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it's I... still I terrible. Would, like, I'm not oh. saying he's, like, what he did was good, but... No, no. I, I don't mean, think I would hope. Yeah. was that, intentionally, like, I just gotta shut her off, you Right, know? right. Yeah. Um, but we were, like... <laughs> I was, like, Joseph Kennedy is worse father or George Hodel? Oh <laughs> Sam just goes, George, George Hodel, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> just immediately, no hesitation. Yeah, he's pretty awful guy. He, uh... Definitely is bad. That's why you have to listen to the episode before this one yeah. because then you will know just how terrible he is. So in this episode, also they talk about the Black Dahlia murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought there was an interesting part where Chris Pine is talking to a police officer and he asked him, "Like, were you? Did you investigate the Black Dahlia murder?" And the police officer is pretty old. Like, he's older, so he's been on the force for a while, and he said. Well, I wouldn't be a Los Angeles cop if I didn't have my own Dahlia story, which mm. I thought was interesting. Like there was like over, like I want to say, 
like 700 cops or something working on it was a lot like is it because maybe not 700 but it was i think it was i remember the number 97 for some reason but there was like close to 100 or over 100 cops working on this case uh, the, my question is was it did it captivate people because her killer was never found because of the gruesome way she was she was discovered or because I don't know why, because people get murdered all the time, so why I was think, her murder so much bigger than everybody else's? Um, I think it was a couple of things. It was the gruesome way she was murdered. Mm -hmm. um, she was also, like, a girl who wanted to make it in Hollywood, so she was going on, like, dinner dates, where basically these guys would just pay for dinner for her, and that's how she was, like, making money. But she, oh. wasn't, a, she wasn't a call girl or anything, but... She didn't have, like, a job or anything, so I think she was, like, she was a, a woman who was, you know, all about town and everything, and she was meeting all these dudes, and I think that people, because people were, like, blaming her. They were yeah. victim-blaming her, and, which is the dumbest thing ever. She's the one that got murdered. Why is she, like, she's the victim, you know? Like, I don't, you know? <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. I mean, let's not get into it, Brock Turner, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Who's that? He's the guy that got caught raping that girl, like, behind a dumpster, and he got, like, six months in prison for it. I don't know that story. Oh, fuck him. I hope he dies. Um, brutally. Mm. Oh, just, anyway, that was terrible. But he should. <laughs> He's terrible human being. <laughs> I don't know the story. Well, I mean, I could say you'd look it up, but it's just make you depressed. Yeah, I'll take your yeah. word for it. It's just terrible. Anyway, but, you know, they were like, when he got caught, when Brock Turner got caught, um, they're like, well, we're worried about what this, like, prison time is going to do for his, like, you know, his football and stuff like that. So we're just going to give him a short sentence. And I was like, what about the victim who got raped? Like, what about her yeah. life? How do you think that life is going to be affected? You know? I don't like it when people say stuff like, she was asking for it. Nobody's ever no. asking for no, it. No, I no know. No one is ever asking to get raped or murdered. So it's... never say that. Like, don't ever say like, oh, well, she was wearing a short skirt. She was asking for it. No, like, she was wearing no. a short skirt, but she wasn't asking to get assaulted. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. And I think that people were saying that about Elizabeth Short was, was that they were like, oh, well, she was around with all these guys and she was flirting with all these men and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, she was asking for it. And it's just like, and I think people were fascinated by that because it was, um, it's like a chance to slut shame some girl, some young woman who was like 23. You know she, was? she was like 23. Really? She's young, yeah. How, do you know who found her? Um, some woman with her three-year-old child. Oh, she was walking, and she... Yeah, and she thought it was a mannequin. Yeah. Jeez. They always think it's a mannequin. Like, if they... You, anyone who finds a body. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh. Like, when I listen to the crime podcast, they're like, they're like, so-and-so, this 15-year-old boy came across what he thought was a mannequin in a river. It turned out to be a dead body, and I'm oh, like... Man. It's never a mannequin. <laughs> so if you ever think you see a mannequin from a distance, don't get closer. Just don't call get the because it's a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, something weird happened the other day. Um, the day I watched the third episode. Wait, did you find a dead body? No. Oh. Thankfully. 
Because if you do, you need to text me immediately. <laughs> I hope I never find a dead body. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've kind of always wanted to come across one. That's not my dream. But anyway, so how's that work? I mean, I, I wouldn't call it my dream. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> go on. <laughs> it's just something weird that happens. I was at work, and I was dealing with a house that was built in the 1930s, and it was in Los Angeles, and I... Oh, go on. Absolutely. This is the story. Oh. I absolutely thought, oh, this house was built in the 1930s, and it's in Los Angeles. I wonder if the original owners were horrified about the Black Dahlia murder. And then I just went to Google Earth, because I had to look at something... And I went to Google Earth, and you know, like the big aerial screenshot? Yeah. Well, not even, maybe like a mile away from the house, and this was labeled on the Google Earth map, was Black Dahlia um, Murder Murders, site or, or the site where they found the Black, the Black Dahlia's body. Black Dahlia's body site. Yeah. And I thought, what? It blew my mind. <laughs> like, it kind of creeped me out because I was just... Absolutely wondering, and come to find out, her body was found like a mile away from that's crazy that area. The house the that I was States looking at is huge, <laughs> like, and it was so weird. It was so weird. Yeah. No, I remember you showing me that, and she sent me a screenshot of it, and I was like, "This is so cool!" <laughs> and then I watched that was so cool. Yeah, and that was the same day I went home, and I I had to watch the third episode because <laughs> we were going to be doing the show. Mm-hmm. And I watched the third episode, and that one was about the Black Dahlia murder. And then at the end of the episode, they showed a crime scene photo, but it was like, it wasn't a photo of her. It was a photo, and you could see her body laying on the grass. But you couldn't see it up close. It was a photo of like police officers standing around her body. Yeah, and it was weird to see the lot that she was found when earlier that day I had stumbled upon it. Yeah. Well, there's, so like, a house weird. there now. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. a whole neighborhood. It's really, like, it's a packed neighborhood. And yeah. apparently people still go there. I mean, there. I as I said, there's murder tours in yeah. Los Angeles. Anyway. I'm going on all of them. <laughs> so it was weird anyway. That's Lauren speaking. Because yeah. I have a dark obsession with murder. There are crime scene photos. She was murder. <laughs> there are crime scene photos <laughs> in the from? show. So if you're... <laughs> I don't know. What is it from? I don't know. But they, most of them are just photos, like, you see them in, like, files, but then at the end of each episode, they show, like, the real people pictures, and they do Which show... Which I thought was really cool that they did I that. really thought yeah. that was cool, yeah. But they do show um, some Black Dahlia crime scene photos, but you, you really don't see... They're, like, crime scene photos, not of, like, her face, like, mm-hmm. flush on her face. No, and so. her face, like... You can almost distance yourself from the rest of her body, but seeing her face is super disturbing because her eyes are open, and, I mean, it's it's nasty. Ugh, poor girl. I feel so bad for her. She did not deserve that. Yeah, well, oh. <laughs> most people who get murdered don't deserve it. No, I, I know. Yeah. I know. It's terrible. Um, so, uh, I don't... Uh, man, I'm. I really hope... That they include more of George Hotel in the series. I know, you, I am you're so really like intrigued him. by him. Well, and I'm going on this wine tour this weekend, and all I can think of is everyone's going to be so sick of me being like, 
who the hell is this George Hodel you keep talking about? And I'm, like, talking about him to anyone who will listen. And I was even texting my friend about him, too. And she's like, you can tell me all about him. And I was like, this is why we're friends. <laughs> who is it? Emily. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just Emily the blonde Emily, not Emily from, you know, the other side of the state. But. Oh. Yeah. Long hair. Long blonde hair. I don't know this Emily. Oh. Do I yeah, know this I think Emily? You, I think you might have met her. Oh. Yeah. Hey, Emily. Does she listen? I'm not going to say her last name because I want to well, keep don't your, say her last name. Your privacy. Your yeah. privacy. <laughs> um, wait, what was, what did you ask just now? Does she listen? Oh, I probably not. She probably doesn't even know we have a podcast. Oh. <laughs> Emily. Emily. Anyway, so the um, show, I think the mystery that the show is unraveling is pretty interesting. The show has pacing issues and, um... I'm intrigued to see what what happens next in the story. Me too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Even t- though I know, but also I don't really know. Like, it's interesting because they don't actually know if George Hodel killed Elizabeth Short, but it's, I mean, you can't, like, his name is inevitably connected to hers. Well, and So Steve, that the story, like, circles back to the murder. Yes. Yeah. And his son has a lot of evidence against him. Mm-hmm. He has evidence that she that he killed over fifty women. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I thought it was just like his secretary and then Elizabeth Short. Nope. Um, I think that people consider him to be a serial killer. Really? Yeah, but he's like, I don't see. Okay, so I know that there's like, if you're gonna look at someone like Ted Bundy, who is a serial killer, everyone always goes to Ted Bundy. It's just like the first person I thought of. Um, versus someone that is, um, he, he had like an MO, you know, you know, he had a, a thing that he kept doing over and over again. And that was, that was his shtick. His it shtick. doesn't, his <laughs> shtick. Yeah. It doesn't seem like George Hodel necessarily has an MO. So I don't know if that's a thing where you can consider someone a serial killer if they don't have that that qualification. You know what I mean? Yeah, but what is it what is it then if you kill a lot of women? Like if you kill a lot of people, even I, though you I don't, don't do it the same every time, why is it that serial killer? Just, I don't I guess I always like, just like doing it the same is what classifies a serial killer and the rest is just like a murderer. I guess I just when I it just in my mind and John Douglas, if you're out there, please correct me. He's the one that coined the term serial killer. Oh. Mm-hmm. John Douglas. Yeah, he's a cop. There's the show Mindhunter is about him. Oh, okay. It's I, a pretty good show I, I if you ever that. want to watch it. Um, I like Jonathan Groff a lot. He's a very talented guy. Um, but, so, I guess in my mind, a serial, a serial killer is like... A box of chocolates. <laughs> no, like just... I just imagine them, like, someone going out every night or whatever and, like, breaking into people's homes and killing them or whatever. You know, I, I see, like, I just I just can't visualize George Hodel is, like, with the term serial killer because it seems like the way he kills people or his, which I think Seth was actually referring to him, his secret work. That's my theory. He was like, sir, let me help with your secret work. Yeah, it kind of seemed yeah. like it, because he had that 
like cello woman. Yeah. Like that mannequin that he was turning into a cello. Which was super weird. Really. Well, then I think that was another another connection with surrealism is that it's the yeah. subjugation of woman, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I just I can't like see I can't connect those two together, serial killer and George Hodel, just because to me it's like, he, he doesn't have the same M.O., he's not doing the same thing, and with Elizabeth Short, it was such an extreme level of um, depravity and, and gruesomeness that it's like, I guess, also he's so highly intelligent, too, that it like takes me out of it, because a lot of serial killers are not highly intelligent, they actually have low intelligence. Hmm. Um and there's, I mean, there's obviously, like, exceptions. I think Edmund Kemper was considered a genius level. He was a co-ed killer. Um, he's also actually in Mindhunter, and the guy that they cast is Edmund Kemper. Kemper is just so perfect. Because he's, like, because Edmund Kemper would, like, get women in his car by um, convincing them to get in his car. So he's, like, charming. So he's, like, a likable person, right? He was huge. He was, like, six foot... 10 or something like ginormous dude but the guy that they cast as him in Mindhunter gave this vibe where you're like I want to like this guy but I know what he he's done so I'm incredibly uncomfortable and unnerved around him but oh. you like him at the same time interesting it's it was very weird uh but anyway so that that's my thing is that I guess I just don't consider him a serial killer because in my mind, it's just like, it's just a different, it's just a different thing, you know? I guess um, I, I know what you mean. I guess just a, a serial murderer maybe is different yeah. somehow. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I know there's probably levels of, you know, there's levels of someone who does kill. Um, I don't know. It's. I think it's interesting. It's worth looking into, which is what I'll probably do because... It's me. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's me. You know. Yeah. Because I re-listened to the entire Root of Evil podcast for this episode. Oh, really? I did. Yeah. You do your homework. Well, I, I did. Does the homework. I do the. I just watch the show. <laughs> I do a lot of homework, but you know what? It's homework I assign myself, <laughs> and I love doing it. So it's not really homework. <laughs> yeah. Does Elizabeth Short have like? Was she in contact with her parents? Who Elizabeth Short? Yeah. Um, yes, I think her mom, I don't think she got along with her dad. And she tried to live. What? Nothing. Okay. You freaked me out after you sent me that text about someone breaking into the apartments in my apartment complex. Well, that was freaky because, um, well, you know what? I'm not going to go any further because this is, this goes out to a live audience. But after we're done recording, I'll tell you. Okay, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, no, that was freaky, so. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Like, when you looked locked. over, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, no. I just, <laughs> just freaked out. Like, we're talking about serial killers, and I'm like, slightly yeah, no, on that's, edge. that's what the third episode did to me. Like, it, it made me just feel eerie. Like, it made me feel weird. So I had to, I just had to do something. I had to watch something that... Made me forget about the eeriness. That's what I do. That's what the movie Annihilation did as well. Like, oh, did it? It feels so weird. I hated it. And man, so, yeah. where did I go wrong with telling you movies that you would like? <laughs> I don't know. I just 
I feel like I failed you as a friend. Like, at first right. I tell you you're going to like Annihilation, and then you didn't like it. And then I tell you you're going to like Phantom of the Opera, and you didn't like it. <laughs> I'd rather watch Phantom what of the Opera this? than Annihilation. <laughs> I liked but. Annihilation, but we don't need to be that show. It's fine. So, yeah. Um, so, so far, it's building an interesting mystery, mm. and I'm I'm wondering how it's going to resolve. Me so too. So that'll be interesting, and... Just, um, Chris Pine gives a very good performance so far. I think he's, um, if nothing else, I think he, if you have a, a slight interest in watching the show, if, if the story interests you and you're on the fence, then I think Chris Pine could convince you to maybe give it a shot. Would you recommend it so far? Um, I don't think, I think if I had just watched the first episode just thinking, what is this, I wouldn't have continued watching it. Like, if I okay. didn't know anything, just because it's slow, like, some yeah. parts are very slow, um, but the story, the like, the mystery is, is interesting, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying it's terrible, I just, I, if I just went in blind, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I would continue, but uh, Chris Pine does give a really good performance. Yeah, I like, especially, too, that other than Chris Pine, um, the cast is virtually unknown. You know? Yeah. I mean, I know who India Isley is, but I'm also like, I just know a lot of celebrities' names, so that's Is me, his but... detective friend someone famous? Because he looks familiar to me. The friend oh, he that... might be. Yeah, he looked familiar to me, too. I mean, he's obviously famous, I guess, his but he looks like somebody I know. No, his boss, I know who his boss is. I mean the friend who he served in Korea with. Oh, oh, I don't know. I don't um, think I ever recognized him. Yeah. Uh, he yeah, but... he kind of looks like, um, oh my god, who's that red-headed actor? Um... The only thing I could think of any woman is Harry Potter. And this doesn't help the situation. Because <laughs> I um, don't know Harry Potter. He was Potter. in About Time. He was in Peter Rabbit. He was in... Peter Rabbit, the movie Dread? with cartoon rabbits. <laughs> was he a voice? Please tell me he was a voice. He was not. He was oh, like the... Oh. Well, I think he had dark hair in that. Um, he was in Dread. Oh, Domhnall Gleeson? Yes, thank you. Oh, yes, okay. Yes, yeah. yeah. I was like, he's in Star Wars. Like, I was like, he, yeah. the guy that his, his friend kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Like, I kind of look like. Like, not yeah, a lot. They, no, it, they do. Yeah, I can yeah. See it. But, like, there's mm -hmm. definitely similarity there. Yeah. I mean, it could just be because they're, like, both redheaded white dudes, but. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they are both redheaded white dudes. Yeah. So, who knows? But, yeah. Um, so, so, I don't know. I mean,. Give it a shot if you think the story sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, I am excited to see what the rest of the show is going to be like. Yeah, I want to see how it resolves. Yeah, for sure. The thing that sold me personally that made me want to watch it was when I was on Tumblr, because I still tumble at 32 years old. Um, and I... I wish I could still tumble at 30, <laughs> 34 years old. I used to be a... Well, I could do cartwheels and roundoffs still. I can't. Um, I'm too chunky. Anyway, but, um, um, sometimes no. when I do them, I like feel a pull on certain muscles, and I'm like, <laughs> like one cartwheel away from being as long as you're not walking like down week. your stairs backwards, yeah. you're good. <laughs> <laughs> or not backwards. Um, I don't know what that upside down. You know, oh like yeah, in, like on handstands. No, like in the exercise. Oh, gross! No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that movie. That was I never stupid. Saw. Anyway. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 
I, I agree with you. I think if I didn't know the story... Oh, right, I was saying something. The thing that sold me was when I was I saw a gift set of Chris Pine, and he's in the gallery, and he's looking at all of the uh, yes. photos that George Hodel... Or the, the um, paintings that George Hodel has, and he's, like, connecting them to the, the Black Dahlia murder in his mind, and I was like, I have to watch this now. Ah, uh, okay. That so, must be a later episode, then. Um, I think it's... I, yeah, I think it's one of the... Nice. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, because when he's running through the gallery, he's just trying to find Fonda yeah. initially. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm intrigued, though, to see where Jordan Fonda's relationship is going to end up. Yes. I mean, I'm also kind of nervous, but because I know what he did. <laughs> Wait, does he do something to Fonda? No, I mean to Tamar. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know what he does to Fonda. Oh, okay. I'm in the dark just as much as you are oh, when it comes okay. to Yeah. The only thing I know is what I've told you. All right. So... Um, other than what I heard on the Root of Evil podcast, which sure. I already told you, so. Yeah. Um, and that kind of helped me wanting to watch it, too, because I got super into that. That was a hard listen, though. That was that was a rough listen. Yeah. There some parts where I was like, oh, boy. But it's good. Again, I'd recommend it. The Root of Evil podcast is awesome. So, if they could give us a shout-out, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, if they just did an ad for us or something, they're like, watch this, or they're like, listen to this new podcast, The Watchers of Movies. They talk about I in the Night <laughs> two episodes. I'd be like, yes! <laughs> I would be flipping out. I would lose my shit. It'd be amazing. <sighs> I had sugar earlier today. It's running through my system. Like, girl. You had some sprinkles with a little bit of ice cream. <laughs> sprinkles with a little bit of ice cream. I will have so, sprinkles with a topping of ice cream. I guess we're... Is there anything else you wanted to... I don't know. I, um... I... I'm um, excited to see how, like, Tamar is, the way they, they portray the character, or that uh, person... And, oh, I did write, too, because I was really curious as to their poem that was recited by, by George Waddell in the third episode. It's the first stanza of A Dream Within a Dream by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I had to Google it. Um, but, yeah, so, because it was very, like, the way that he was reciting it as all these things were happening was very... I don't, I don't really know what the word very, like, unsettling, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's a creepy part. So, it's, yeah, it is. Yeah. That seems very creepy. If you like creepy, you're going to like the third episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's very bizarre. So. Oh, and then Nero gets murdered. Oh, yeah, and his tongue... Twi- like tied up, yeah. tied, tied in a knot. That's like they don't show it that. The they don't r- show. It. Yeah, they don't show that. They just no. say it. Um, but he wasn't a big enough character for them to even really touch on that for more than a couple seconds. Because yeah. also that guy was such a freaking creeper. Like when he was saying all that shit to her, and he's like, "I don't like a girl that plays games." I was just like, "I, I got super bad vibes about this dude." Yeah. Oh, I was. His character was... I hope there's more about him because I'm not sure why he got killed in the well, first place. I mean, I think that he got killed... I think he was killed by Sep because mm-hmm. that's when he was making the call yeah. to Fauna and Sep was there. 
He was watching him. And he was recording yeah. it and all that. Yeah. Um, but what? A, I mean, I'm almost wondering if he wasn't killed by Seth, but he was maybe killed by George Hodel. But I don't think, I feel like George Hodel wouldn't mess with, I, I feel like he wouldn't care about killing a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like he would care about killing a woman, but he wouldn't care about killing a dude. Right. You know? Yeah. Because it's like his thing. He likes women. Women. <laughs> like, There's like one thing Ron Burgundy knows. It's women. <laughs> There's one thing that George Hodel knows. <laughs> it's murdering women. We don't have proof of that. But it's okay. He died 10, 20 years ago, and his son wrote like three books about how he's a murderer. Oh, wow. He also thinks he's the Zodiac Killer. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That was a good movie, too. Zodiac? Yeah, that was an awesome movie. It was creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. Um, but, and it had some really kind of startling scenes, murder scenes, I thought. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. That one scene where Jake Gyllenhaal's in the basement oh, and he can hear so someone, creepy. like, walking. Oh, oh my, my God. Gosh. That was creepier than the and murder scene. That's a David Fincher movie, right? Is mm-hmm. it is Seven David Fincher as well? Yeah, I, there's similarities. Seven, Fight Club, he did... Um, the girl with the dragon tattoo, the English oh, okay. one. He did. What else did he do? He might have done all the money in the world, actually. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, I can see similarities between Zodiac and yeah. and um, Seven, just in terms of like the dark creepiness. Yeah. But I I liked Zodiac. It was, I did too. I forgot about. So they think George Hodel was the Zodiac killer as well. That is, his son does. Yeah. What was his mo? I can't remember. I saw the movie, so, but it's been so long. I can't remember. Um, his M.O. Actually, do you want to take a break just really quick? You want to pause that really quick? We're going to pause it. It's going to take a break. <laughs> really it's going to be a break quick. for us, but for you, <laughs> it it's going to keep it going. It will be a second. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're back. back. <laughs> it so, was like 10 hours. Not it really. It was 10 hours, yes. Like six minutes. We Not actually, even six minutes. Like We took a nap. We went out, we ate some pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's we, um, yeah. Um, we saw a movie. We yeah. saw a movie. We went, yeah. took a road trip to Philadelphia. Yeah. We stopped by New Orleans on the way. Yeah. Which is not Phil- on the way at all. Philadelphia but. by way of New Orleans. <laughs> so now we're back. Now we're back, yeah. No, we really just sat on the couch and talked for a second. Um, <laughs> but, so the Zodiac Killer... And that's actually what we were talking about. We were talking about, do we want to do an episode on the Zodiac? Mm-hmm. But then we both decided not to because it is a really creepy movie. And yeah. even though I like creepy stuff, I have a hard time watching the it's movie It's hard alone. to watch. Yeah. yeah. It's it's creepy. But so his M.O. was that he would dress up in like a, he had like a mask on, like a black mask and like a black, um, not a sweater, but it had a circle with a cross in it on the chest. Um that like that was like how he looked and these it would be these couples that would be like together alone usually in a secluded area like in a park or like a lover's lane or whatever and he would um he would like he it wasn't the same every time i don't think one couple he shot them and the guy survived but the girl died another one he stabbed them he like tied them up and stabbed them and then I can't, then I'm just, this is just what I'm remembering from the movie. Yeah. Um, cause I did rewatch part of it recently, but then I stopped cause I was like, eh, oh, it's like 10 o'clock at night. I don't really I don't have violent nightmares like I do. 
every night. Just kidding, I don't. But <laughs> um, only when I'm watching Vikings, which I love. It's one of my favorite shows. Bring it back to Vikings every time. Every time. No. Um, so, but it was always a couple. Okay. Yeah. And um, sometimes the guy died, and I think usually the girl, or sometimes the girl, no, sometimes the guy survived, but usually I think the girl died. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But it was just very, like... How did he tie it to George Hodel? I think it was the writing. His writing was very similar to George Hodel's. Oh. And I saw in that documentary that I was watching, I was looking at his writing, and it did look very similar to the Zodiac's writing like really? it was very but he leave like notes or something i can't remember it's been the so Zodiac long since i've seen the movie send in notes to <gasps> yeah. the newspaper okay that's and right they were, like, i remember coded. now there was yeah. a code to it there's mm-hmm. a cipher um and and i think a woman broke it she was like a teacher i think she was the one that figured out the cipher so and i don't remember her name of course but i did just think it's cool you know some like random lady yeah like, who's a teacher yeah so, um, but they never caught him, but they did have a suspect, um, who I cannot remember his name. It wasn't George Hodel. It was, like, some random dude, and he, like, had a heart attack or something, and then the, the killing stopped. So oh. I think it was that guy. I see. So, yeah. There's, like, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously, Steve Hodel... It, it's his father, so he has all the all that paperwork and all that stuff and all of those memoirs and everything that George Rodell has. He has access to all that that we don't. Mm-hmm. So it's totally possible that he could be the Zodiac Killer. They never caught him. I mean, he lived in Los Angeles. San Francisco, I think, is a couple hours away. It's not that far. It's totally possible to go on a day trip to murder some people and then come back in the same night. You know, like, it's just... It's like... Who knows? I don't know. Hmm. You know? Creepy stuff. There's some other killers that I think it was the Jigsaw killer that he thought he was and the Lipstick killer. I don't know them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've never heard of them before. Um, But I think I might read the Black Dahlia Avenger. uh, I read the sample of it and I pretty much read it in like one sitting and I was just like, maybe I should just buy the book. (laughs) I should just read it. I might buy the physical copy so I can actually make notes. Yeah. That's your thing. I love it. (laughs) So anyway. Yeah. So this has been, I think we're done. Yeah. Yeah. I hope people have been interested. If you're still listening at this point, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us. And there will be a follow up episode about the last three three episodes. Mm hmm. So have a. I hope you had a happy Fourth of July because yeah. by the time you're hearing this, maybe Fourth it'll of July probably is done. it'll be Sunday. I should be uploading yeah. it. Yes, yeah. so. I'm trying. I'm trying to get on a regular schedule of uploading things on Sunday. Sunday. So yeah. Sunday is um. Sunday is the day that seems to be my my chill day. Yeah. So, awesome. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.